Good morning. What a blessing it is to, to be with you, be with God's people this morning. We're glad that you're here. We really are excited to have a lot of our college students back. Uh, let me just say, if you're visiting and you're in college, this is your first time here. Uh, there's a lot of good options in this town uh, for college ministries. That's a good thing. And I'm sure they're all good. But I can tell you this, if you come to Dalreda, there will be a lot of people who will actively love you and help you get to heaven and help you on your journey. And You'll be part of this family. You won't just be uh, an additional age group that sits in a certain section. You'll be part of this family. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate Billy and Shelby Camp and how much we love them and what they do for our college students. It's not just the program. They love you. And they care about you and they want you to go to heaven and they'll help you any way that they can. Nate Kidwell will do the same. He's got just the same heart that the camps do. So if you're thinking, well, is this a good place to drop off my college student? The answer is yes. And we would love for you to be here with us. And if you've already been here, you know that that's the case. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know that for a lot of people, uh, there are times of transition happening. You know, we have students coming in. We have some who have dropped their students off this very weekend at different colleges and going through different times of transition. The congregation, in some ways, is going through a time of transition. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that our God is still on the throne? To know that His Son, Jesus Christ, still sits at His right hand and intercedes for us just as much as He ever has. That He longs to do that. Isn't it wonderful that the Word of God still gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness? Isn't it wonderful that we can still, no matter what we're going through, be thoroughly equipped for every good work? God never gives up on us, and God is a loving and good God, and we count ourselves blessed and humbled and grateful to be in His presence this morning. For the next two or three months... Several of, of us who do some of the preaching here at Dalreda are going to present a series of messages under the theme, We Are Israel. A series of messages for God's people from God's people. Now when you see a title like this, We Are Israel, there are a couple of different things that it might mean, right? As we look at the New Testament, you, you certainly see that Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 9, verse 6, not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And what he was saying there is just because you were born into this nation, physically speaking, that doesn't make you a, a true Israelite. The New Living Translation says not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. And that's the idea of what Paul wrote there. And we saw this very clearly in Jesus' day, didn't we? When He came to, to the Israelites, the Jews, same group of people, and He presented the message of the kingdom, and, and so many of them rejected Him. Well, they were not true Israel, were they? They didn't have Abraham as their father in, in a real spiritual sense. They certainly didn't have God as their father. In fact, John eight forty four, Jesus tells them who their father really was, and it was the devil. So even those who were born into the nation of Israel, physically speaking, they weren't all true Israel, spiritual Israel. And when you get into the New Testament and you talk about the new covenant in Christ and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Those who accept Christ are brought into a spiritual Israel. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, in this way, all Israel will be saved. He's not just talking about those born Israelites. He's talking about all of those, Jew or Greek, who are baptized into Christ. So in that sense, we are Israel, aren't we? For those of us who've been baptized into Christ and and are walking that narrow path and are faithful to God, we are Israel. And what a wonderful blessing, right? To have those blessings and promises and, and to have that relationship with God. But what I want to focus on in this series in particular is, is not just that. But the fact that there are so many comparisons to be made. Between God's people who lived under the old covenant and called themselves Israel. And us today who call ourselves Christians. There's so many lessons that I think would be very helpful and relevant during this time in our congregation's life. So we're going to focus particularly on on their nature and their behavior and what we can learn from them. So for those of us this morning who are Christians, our relationship with God began much like the nation of Israel. We were called. Just like Abram was called in Genesis chapter 12, you and I were called, 2 Thessalonians 2.14, to this He called you through our gospel. So this morning we're going to focus on that calling and the comparisons that might be made to the calling that was given to the very first member of the nation of Israel, a man we know is Abram, who would later be called Abraham. So let's notice a few things about Abram's calling as it relates to ours. Number one, Abram and we as well are called out of our past. We're called out of our past. Now when you get into the story of Abram as it was read this morning, if you have your Bibles, go back there to Genesis chapter 12 and let's just read this again to make sure that we understand what this calling was. We usually start our study of Abram in Genesis chapter 12 with this call. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the call. Now if you could continue reading in verse 4, you will see that Abram went as the Lord had told him. That sounds simple, right? God called, Abram went. But let me just tell you this morning that it wasn't that simple. I'm going to back this up with Bible. It wasn't that simple. It sounds simple. And in some ways, I suppose it was a simple decision. But it was certainly not simple. It was complicated. It was complex. It was difficult. It was a challenge. And let me tell you what we mean by that. Abram's past that God called him out of was a hopeless past. I want you to be reminded in Genesis chapter 11, back up just a few verses, in verse number 30, the things that God was promising Abram. This lineage, these descendants that he was promising him, he was calling him out of a life where that was impossible. What does Genesis chapter 11 verse 30 tell us about Abram's wife? 
How many children has she had? She hasn't had any. Why hasn't she had any? Because she's barren and she can't. And God calls Abram out of that hopeless situation and says, I'll give them to you. Before you had no chance to have children, I will give you more children than you'll be able to count. Do you realize that, that Abram's life, that he his past that he was called out of, was so hopeless in this way? Socially speaking, a, a barren woman experienced significant reproach and disdain in these kinds of cultures. Some even think it was a form of social death. Because bearing and, and raising children was highly valued. And it was seen as the woman's primary responsibility. Now religiously speaking, it was even worse. Because religiously speaking, a lot of people thought in those days that if you couldn't have children, God made that decision. That it was some kind of punishment. Even Sarai said to uh, Abram in chapter 16 verse 2, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. God is doing this. So if you were barren and you could not have children, and it was so important in that culture, you had a dead-end life in some ways. You, your family was not going to grow because you couldn't have any. In the New Testament, when Elizabeth found out that she was going to give birth to John the baptizer, she said, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Even in the New Testament culture, if you didn't have children and couldn't have children, it was a difficult thing. So when God called Abram out of that hopeless past, it was not simple. Everything changed with that calling. Another thing that about Abram's past is that it was godless. I often grew up thinking about Abram. Well, Abram must have always just been a good guy. And, you know, whenever he was 75 years old when God called him, but, you know, he must have, you know, been a really good person before then, right? Well, according to Joshua 24, verse 2, Joshua says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Did you hear that? Did you know that? Abram did not, as we, would, as we might put it, grow up in the church. He just didn't. I don't know what his knowledge of the one true God might have been, but the Bible says they served other gods. So Abram wasn't a, a good person, a really good person. that just needed a little bit of a push and a little bit of help, but he was pretty much on the right path. No, he was godless. He was not in a relationship with God when God called him out of that past. Do you realize where Abram was headed? He had a hopeless family situation. He had a godless religious experience going on, which was a complete waste of time. He served man-made gods who were never going to do anything for him. And God said, I am calling you out of that. I am. You're not pulling yourself out of it. You're not ever going to earn your way out of it. I am calling you out of your past. That's powerful, isn't it? That's not simple. Not for Abram. Not with what his life was, was about at that point. 
Let me also suggest to you, and I'm going to show you in the Scriptures, that Abram's calling out of his past was likely a process. Now I want you to follow me in your own copy of Scripture. Might be surprising for you to hear that this, uh, that we just read in chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, is not the entire story of Abram's call. It's just not. The Bible tells us more. Go back to chapter 11, verse 31. It tells us there that Terah, that's his father, took Abram his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, in the Genesis account, we just looked at all of it. In the Genesis account, we don't read about God's call to Abram until chapter 12. But the events that we just read about in chapter 11, verses 31 and 32, indicate that that call has already taken place. Stephen confirms this in Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Stephen says this, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when Stephen... When he was in Mesopotamia. That's what Ur of the Chaldeans was later called. Before he lived in Haran. And said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. And Stephen continues with the rest of the story, if you will. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died... God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Do you see what happened here? Here's a map to help you. I don't know if this little laser works. Here we go. This is Ur. This is where Abram was when God called him the first time. And Stephen and Genesis chapter 11 tell us that he went to Haran. But who went with him? Did he leave his father, his family, his household? No, in fact, the Bible tells us that Terah took Abram. Isn't that interesting? And how long did they stay in Haran? A little more than halfway to Canaan. How long were they there? Till his father died. Some say four or five years, maybe even longer. Isn't that interesting? So in chapter 12, what we're probably reading is God saying, I still want you to go. You're in Haran now. You stopped short of where I told you to go. So I want you to go now that your father is gone. Go. Into the land that I will show you. A process. Do you see it? We read Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 4 and we think, well, Abram just packed all of his stuff. He left his family behind and he went to Canaan. No, he did not. His father went with him. Some of his family members went with him and they didn't go to Canaan. They went to Haran and they settled there. And you might be thinking, well, that's, that's not faith. Well, before you're too hard on Abram, think about yourself for just a minute. Can you understand why this kind of obedience might be a process? That when God says, I want you to leave everything and everyone you've ever known, that that's no small thing. That that is something that, that is very, very difficult for even someone with faith 
to do immediately. The call to leave your past behind and to follow God into the future on faith, that's a challenge, isn't it? And Abram's obedience to that call seems to have been a process. So when we talk about our past that you and I have been called out of, if we are Christians this morning, do we remember that? And you might say, yeah, I remember when I became a Christian. I remember the night that I was baptized. I can tell you the the date and the time. I can tell you the name of the preacher. I, I remember what the water smelled like. I remember the embarrassing gown, all of that. Maybe you remember all of that, but do you remember what really happened? Do you remember what God really called you out of? Because like Abram, we were not good people. We were not almost there. We just need a little water to get right with God. No. That is not the case. We were just as hopeless and godless as Abram was. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 and read those first 12 verses on your own sometime and you'll notice words like dead in our trespasses. Dead. Not wounded. Dead in our trespasses. Dead people can't do anything for themselves, can they? That's what our description was spiritually. We were separated, alienated, strangers, having no hope and without God in the world. Don't kid yourself, Christians. God didn't need you. You needed Him. What we were called out of was hopelessness and godlessness. Romans 3 verse 10 says it like this. None is righteous. No, not one. Skip down to verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what are the wages of that sin? Death. And that's where we were. We were dead. So don't forget that, right? Let's let's not forget that because if we forget that, if we, if we just look at our, uh, our calling out of, out of our past as, as a decision that we made to get baptized, we're really forgetting something important. So let me ask you how you're doing in this process this morning. When it comes to leaving your past behind like Abram was asked to do, where are you in that journey? We'd all like to think that our story is, is as simple and clean as Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 4, right? Well, God told me to do it and I did it. God gave me all these commands to to leave everything, to deny myself, to repent, to count the cost, and I've done it all completely, 100% wholeheartedly. Have we? have, Have we really done that? Have we really, if you look back at the last week or two weeks, have you really taken up your cross every day? I'm embarrassed to say that I probably have not. That if we're we're comparing ourselves to Abram, I'm somewhere in between on some of these things, aren't you? in, In some cases, maybe I've even settled in a place like Haran because I just I'm just not willing to pay that price yet. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what people will think of me. I'm afraid of what might happen. Well, that was Abram, father of the faithful, had the same struggle. Went through the same process of obedience that you and I go through today. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by that. 
Now, before you say, well, if Abram could settle in Haran, I guess I can stay where I am. Well, no, that's not really the point. Just because obedience is a process doesn't mean we can stop. In fact, the process that's described in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, when it comes to adding to your faith and, and the diligent approach that we are to have towards that, if we don't engage in that process, the Bible says we become nearsighted and we become blind and we have forgotten that we were cleansed of our former sins. Did we count the cost? Did we die to sin? Did we truly repent or have we settled into something in between our past and the future that God has called us into through Christ? Let me put it a little more uh, plainly. Are we just going to church? Or is our life filled with meaning and purpose and true worship and a sincere love for the one who called us out of darkness and destruction and eternal damnation and into His glorious light? How will we know the answer to that? Because you know the past is hard to leave behind sometimes, isn't it? Whether it's the guilt of the past or the, the behaviors that we're drawn back to, the past is something that we're called out of. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, one thing that I do, I forget what lies behind, good or bad. And I strain forward to what lies ahead. And I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. So how are you doing when it comes to being called out of your past? Are there some things you need to let go of? Some guilt, some, some baggage you've been carrying around that you need to cast upon Jesus and just let it go? Or are there some behaviors you've returned to that you think, well, this isn't that bad? Well, it is. That's what Jesus died to save you from. Leave it behind. Let God call you this morning a little bit further out of that hopeless and godless past that He saved you from. Not only was Abram called out of his past, but he was called into the unknown. And some of you are already singing that song from Frozen 2. I'm sorry. I did not mean to get that stuck in your head again. But that's exactly what happened here with Abram. Abram was not just called out of his past. He was called into an unknown future. God said, go from your country to the land that I will show you. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 puts it this way. That he went out not knowing where he was going. Do you do that very often? Some of you probably like this. You just get in the car and go. Wherever we end up is where we end up. Well, I'm not getting in the car with you. I don't want to go. If you don't know where you're going, I'm not going with you. Because I get in the car and I know exactly where I'm going because my phone tells me. And that's the only reason. I plug in the address. Before we leave the driveway, Brooke, where are we going? I'm going to plug it in. Unless it's Walmart. We know how to get to Walmart. But if I don't know where I'm going, I'm not ready to go. Are you? I don't ever get on a plane and think, well, we'll just see what happens. I, where will we end up today? This will be an adventure. No, it says it on the ticket, and that better be where we end up, right? We don't like to do this. I'm not going to move my family from Buford, Georgia, 
to Montgomery, Alabama without a plan. But Abram did. So before we're too critical of anything about Abram that we might learn, he left without a plan. He left without an address plugged into his GPS. He did it. Not knowing where he was going. You know, there's an animal, and you've probably heard this before, the African impala. It can jump 10 feet high. And it can jump a distance, a length of 30 feet. It's amazing, isn't it? 10 feet high, 30 feet. Did you know that you can contain the African impala in any zoo anywhere in the world with nothing more than a three-foot tall enclosure? Now, it could jump over it three times and then some. You know why it'll stay in that enclosure? Because the African impala will not jump until it can see where it's going to land. It's got the the ability, it's got the strength, it's got the talent to get out of that zoo and just go. I don't know where it would go, but it could escape, but I can't see where I'm going to land. I think I'll just stay here. Are you like that? I am. I just tend to stay put if I don't know where I'm going to land. And that's not what God has called us to, is it? That's just not what God has called us to. It's not what He called Abram to. It's not what He calls us to. We have been called, as Jesus would say over and over, follow me. Now let me tell you something. I don't always know exactly what that means, but I know what it doesn't mean. Jesus did not say, follow me, I'm going nowhere. Jesus does not say to me or you, follow me. All I'm really doing is going to your job and going to your school and and going to the movies and doing what you would normally do. So just don't worry about it. I'll follow you. It doesn't mean that. Jesus says, follow me. And if you followed him in the first century, there were some times where you did not know where you were going to go. He says the same thing to us today. He said back then to to a scribe who wanted to follow him, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. What was Jesus saying? Well, you're always going to be comfortable. No, you're not. Jesus was letting us know. He was letting them know. If you're going to follow me, you might not know where you're going to land. But you'll be with me and I'll be with you and it's going to be fine. Bible says in Matthew 6:33 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He did not say seek first the things that you need in order to feel secure, in order to feel happy and you know just make sure that you go to church while you're doing that. That is not the call of the gospel. If somebody sold that to you, they sold the wrong gospel. Jesus says, follow me into the unknown. I wonder if I'm actually doing that some days, don't you? I wonder some days, who do I really trust to take care of me? Because most of the time, the answer seems to be me. I trust me. I wonder what it would look like sometimes in my life to answer the call into the unknown like Abram did. With each step taking you further away from where you're comfortable. And making you more uncomfortable. And yet with each uncomfortable step, you get closer to exactly where God wants you to be. A place that's better. 
A place that's flowing with milk and honey, so to speak. A place with promises. A place with a mission. When Abram finally set foot on that promised land and felt the solid ground underneath his feet, don't you know that he thought, I'm glad I took that first step, that second step, that 541st step. I'm glad I left Haran when I did. What about you and me? You know, I think about what Ruth said to Naomi. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to look at this. I'm going to put it on the board though. Ruth said, do not urge me. She said this to Naomi. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts me from you. Ruth said this to another person. And this level of loyalty and commitment surpasses the level of loyalty and commitment that sometimes I have to the Savior who died on the cross for me. Ruth did not know where she was going either. She never been where Naomi was going and she was willing to go because she wanted to be with her. She loved her. How much more should we love our Lord when He calls us out of our past and into the unknown, we should take another step today, shouldn't we? Let's take another step today into something that we're not sure about. Into a place where we're uncomfortable if we feel that God wants us to do that. Abram finally was called into a covenant relationship with God. God did not just say, come out from your past and your father's house and your, your land and your people and go where I tell you to go. No. Abram was called into a covenant relationship with the creator of the universe. God might as well have said, come on, we are going to a land that I will show you. God said, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a lot of promises. Who is going to fulfill all of them? God is. I will do this. I promise you. I promise you. I'm going to do these things for you. That's a hard thing to believe sometimes, isn't it? That God will actually do what He says He's going to do for us. Abram struggled with it and so do I and you probably do as well. In this series of lessons, we're going to see that it is the nature of Israel... And perhaps the nature of all human beings to seize control of their own future. And to place their trust in themselves or others instead of God. But God called Abram into a relationship where he's doing most of the work. He's fulfilling the promises. He's, he's directing his path. Abram just needs to obey and trust and benefit. Religion without relationship is the wrong religion. Religion without a relationship with God will either lead to rebellion or self-righteousness. So as you think about your calling this morning that that you experienced when you heard the gospel and, and you obeyed the gospel, I want you to ask yourself, do you have a relationship with the one who called you? 
Jesus does not merely call us into church attendance or sin management or some kind of uh, heaven layaway plan. You know, you pay a little bit now and then, and, and if you pay enough, I'll let you in on the day of judgment. That's not what we've been called to. We must have a relationship with Him. We must know Him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, by obeying His commands. We must abide in Him, John chapter 15. And as was the case with His covenant relationship with Abram, ours is a little bit one-sided too. Read Ephesians chapter 2 again on your own time and tell me who's doing the saving here. Doesn't it say several times in that passage, it's not of your own self, it's, it's not of your own works, lest any of you should say, hey, look what I did. Now, I'll be doing the saving, God says. I, I'm the one who's, who's lifting the heavy weight in this relationship. I just want you to trust me and obey me. The nation of Israel began with the call of Abram. The call to leave his past behind, to, to go into the unknown and to enter into a covenant relationship with Almighty God. Abram answered this call with faith and with action. Now, he wasn't perfect. And as we saw this morning, he may not have started quite as strong as we may have thought. In this same sense, though, you and I have heard a similar call. The call of the gospel. The call of the Son of God dying on a cross to pay the debt of our sin that we would never be able to pay. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Have you answered the call this morning? It's simple, really. The, the, the choices are simple. But let's not pretend that it's going to be a simple thing to do it, is it? It's hard. It's complicated. It's challenging. Where are you with that? How have you answered the call? How will you answer the call this morning? We've been called out of darkness and into His light. Called out of aimless living and into purpose. Called out of slavery to sin and into freedom in Christ. How have you answered? Are you marching to Canaan's land? Or have you settled in Haran? And this morning, if there's anything that this body can do to help you take another step this morning, maybe it's a step towards belief in Jesus. Maybe it's a step towards uh, repentance. Maybe it's a step into this baptistry to have your sins washed away. Maybe it's a step to get back on that narrow road or to get back into a relationship that you've abandoned. Whatever the step you need to take, God is waiting Christ is there with open arms and His people will help you any way that we can. Won't you come as we stand and sing? God is calling the prodigal come without delay. Hear, oh hear Him calling, calling now for thee. Know you wander so far from His presence come today. Hear His loving voice calling still, calling now for Thee. Oh, we pray, go come, calling now for Thee. Be prodigal, come. Come, there's bread in the house of thy father, and to spare. 
Hear, oh, hear him calling, calling now for thee. Lo, the table is spread and the feast is waiting there. Hear his loving voice calling still. Calling now for thee. Oh, me, me, prodigal, come, calling now for thee. Oh, me, me, prodigal, come.